Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And we are coming to you live with a tear in my eye from the Quicken Loans Studios. National mortgage lender, Quicken Loans. Billy Jack, keep her going, baby. Turn her up. Apply simply. Understand fully. Mortgage confidently. It's the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. 855-212-4CBS. 855-212-4CBS. And I told them during the break, I actually got the WWE Network for they had a, an offer I couldn't pass. 99 cents for every month for like two months. I said, the hell with it. I'm getting it. The, the boys will eventually like wrestling. And I'd take a trip down memory lane, baby. And I had to watch the 92 Royal Rumble. And there's Ric Flair, number three in. Bobby the Brain Heenan, the late great Bobby the Brain Heenan. Gorilla Monsoon, nobody. Nobody. And I love JR. I love J- as a person and as an analyst, as a play-by-play guy, I love Jim Ross. Love him dearly. Nobody was better than Gorilla Monsoon. I'm sorry. No one painted the picture better than Gorilla. You go back to WrestleMania 3, 92,000 on their feet, the roof of the Silver Dome about to explode here as Hulk Hogan came out to take on Andre the Giant to defend the WW then F World's Heavyweight Championship. Nothing better. And then when Ric Flair comes in number three after Ted DiBiase's eliminated with sensational Sherry looking as great as she's ever looked. God rest her soul. And Ted DiBiase's walking out, and the buzzer goes off, and here comes Ric Flair with Mr. Perfect in tow, and the camera zooms in on Ric Flair, and the crowd, you can feel the electricity, and here he is, the Nature Boy, his debut in the WWF, and here he is to claim the world's heavyweight championship. I mean, what a, what a, what a show, what a show. So this weekend is the Royal Rumble. Everybody's asking me. I don't watch much contemporary wrestling. I tell you all every day. I tell you every time. Uh, so I looked at some of the sports books out there. They do have gambling on it some way, somehow. It's like gambling on the end of Rocky, but whatever. Um, I'll take Kenny Omega plus 2,000. Okay? There we go. 855-212-4CBS. 4227. Now, I was going to get to the Carson Wentz stuff, but what the hell? Tom, these calls are outrageous. People want to talk. They want to talk about the Saints call. I'll leave it up to you. I mean, I, gosh, I just wanted some diatribe. I got my stuff in about, about Ric Flair. So I guess we'll just talk to you guys about the Saints real quick so you know my stance on it. I sympathize with states, with Saints fans. We've had some people who haven't. Uh, I do. You only get certain opportunities here. And for the American sports fan... I just brought up Ric Flair to me is one of the greatest entertainers in American history. I mean that. 
For the regular person, we're not talking high society. We're not talking Yo-Yo Ma. We're not talking the, the Cleveland Symphony Orchestra. We're not talking that. But for the regular fan out there, for the regular person in America, Ric Flair, in the 300 years of American history, is one of the greatest entertainers in American history. And for people out there, they love professional wrestling. That's the thing that those people like. And there are people who, yes, believe it's real. There's people out there who, who, who definitely love everything about it, the embodiment of it. It's just so cool. And the reason I do like the history of it is that it's America. It's big things popping off. It's fireworks. It, it's the spectacle. It's, what, it's part of what makes the country great. It really is. No matter what we got going on, no matter what the problems that we may have, it's part of what makes the country fantastic and fun. And so wrestling fans really dig it, and they really love it. And there are Saints fans out there that, for whatever reason it might be, and that's what makes football special, is that for them and their family, it's a shared experience. Baseball, we get so nostalgic about baseball. It's the national pastime. And you have usually a personal relationship with someone about baseball. Usually it's fathers and sons. I'll remember my first Indians game as long as I live. I was five years old. I, I was sitting down the third baseline. It was my late uncle, my father. I got a foot-long hot dog. Albert Bell hit the first-ever home run I ever saw over the left center field fence at Old Cleveland Municipal Stadium, and the Indians won 13-9 over the Texas Rangers. I'll never forget it. It's a personal relationship with your father and you or your mother and you or grandpa or something like that. Basketball can be the same thing, can be. Uh, it's a little bit different. I think a lot of the history and how we feel is over the last couple of generations with basketball. It's not as old as baseball or even football, especially with college football. But, but, but the NFL, the NFL is a gathering. It's easier to gather. It's once a week, and really it's, it's ten times a year. So it's very special because the reason you're a sports fan isn't just because you like the Saints and you like their colors or you like the player. You didn't just like Pat Swilling, and that's the end of it. You had a family member who was involved. You have family members who are involved. It's a gathering. You get together. It's the same reason. And I'm serious about this. It's the same reason we celebrate Thanksgiving and Christmas and Easter. I'm not saying football is a religion. I'm not trying to be crazy about it. What I'm pointing out is that we, we gather for it. We share our days. We share our lives together. We share our stories together. We have other things that happen during the game that we remember forever. Forever, whether it be an uncle who got too loaded, whether it be an aunt who got mad at that uncle, grandpa sitting in his chair and he has to sit in that chair and there's a reason for it, whatever it may be, there's a part of our personal history that's in there. So for a Saints fan to be upset, I can't tell that Saints fan, hey, get over it. Can't do it. Because the Saints history, hey, I know that, that Drew Brees been there for a long time and they've been playing very well for a long time, for the most part, a very long time. But that history before has been not kind to a hardcore Saints fan. And you never know what's going to happen in the future. So these trips deep into the playoffs, they can create heroes. They can create people we love and characters that we love for generations because they're part of our favorite memories. But they can also create heartache. And to experience a championship, to experience fun, it's not just being able to hoist a trophy you feel like you're a part of it. That's the beauty of American sport. Whether it be pro, whether it be college, whatever, you feel a connection as a community. It is a civic pride. So when that happens, like it happened last Sunday, and yes, Drew Brees threw a pick afterwards, 
They could have made a stop. They could have played better. They could have taken advantage of the opportunities that were handed to them in the first quarter. Could have done all that. They didn't, and they lost. And you might still be able to say fair and square, but people saw that call. They thought that call was ridiculous. I thought that call was ridiculous. And if you really want it fixed, my stance is put their jobs on the line. More replay, you're probably going to lead to more problems. And a good coach will be able to job the system if it comes to pass interference. Because I'll wait on easy pass interference calls until it actually counts in the fourth quarter. If I'm down six and it's before the final two minutes where I'm still in control of my timeouts and I'm still in control of my challenge flag, you're telling me I can challenge pass interference and I'm only down a touchdown? Thank you very much. We just took the lead and you don't even know it. Because that'll happen week one. 855-2124-CBS. Let's get to you. Larry in South Carolina, you've been more most patient. You are first up on CBS Sports Radio. Go ahead, Larry. Larry. Larry wasn't that patient. Gregory in Tennessee. Are you there? Hey, how's it going? L- Gregory, let her ride, yeah. baby. It's going well. Okay, I'm uh, going to say, first off, disclosure, uh, I am not a Saints fan, and I will hand down give the refs credit for getting – what I would say over 95% of the calls correct. And especially, you know, with the bang, bang happening fast, they don't have the luxury of instant replay with 700 different angles and slow motion and, and all the 360 stuff that we have watching TV. It's amazing the job they do. Um, but that said, I'm going to disagree with uh, your partner there earlier who said, it. you know, the Saints blew it by not being able to close out and not being able to do it in overtime. It never would have... I believe, like, for example, the Patriots game where the back judge called the roughing the passer a blow to the head when he was totally out of position to make the call. Hmm. I thought it was a bad call, but I'm not going to say that that call absolutely determined the outcome of the game because there was Hmm. still way too much time in the game, and who knows, they go for it on fourth, and Brady does his magic, and they keep on, and they still score, and the game goes the same way it went. But in the Saints game, I mean, it's it's undeniable that if he had made that call, it would have been first and 10 at what, like the three or something like that? Yeah. First and goal at the three, minute 45 left. Rams only had one timeout left. So even if they call that timeout, Saints can still run off 80 seconds off the game clock. And then they're stuck with the ball down there on the three with like 15 seconds left. That yeah. game's over. That, yeah. that, that call did determine that game's outcome. Well, and Gregory, and, you're going off of what Tom said. I I agree with you because it just because and they, and they did afterwards. They they could have regrouped. They could have got their job done, and they still could have won. They still could have won that game. Their failure to do their job, though, still does not make it okay for the failure of the referees to do their job. And they did not I, I, do their job in that yeah. call. And, and I'm not going to call them to, for that guy to be fired because who knows? Maybe I mean, so far as I know, the refs in the playoffs and the Super Bowl are supposedly the best of the refs throughout the year. They put them together for these games. Now, if that guy made one bad call, maybe he's a great ref the rest of his career. I'm not going to have him fired for that one call. But I'm going to steal the – or that guy who called a couple of times before me kind of stole my thunder. Mm. Since the rule is that in the last two minutes of both periods, it's automatic any scoring play or any turnover is automatically reviewed by the people back in New York – I would give them I wouldn't give the coaches any more challenges, but I would give the ref back in New York the ability to stop the play, 
and say, especially on a play like that where it is going to determine the outcome of the game, stop the play and say, hey, you got to go look at that replay. You missed it. And that's not yeah. going to lengthen the game a whole lot. And it returns integrity to the refereeing of the sport. If you, if you do that, I think that that's a reasonable reaction to it, Gregory. And thank you very much for the call. I think that's a reasonable reaction to it. What I point, or bring up about putting their jobs on the line is that I, I'd rather do that. And I hate saying that. And I, I admit, I do. 855-2124-CBS. The reason I'm okay with saying it is because it's not their full-time job. I, I think we call for people to be fired way too much. We call for people who make simple mistakes and sometimes gut-wrenching mistakes at times. We call for them to be fired or lose their income way too much. I think we do it way too much as a society with social media and with the impact that we have and we don't realize that they have real, true meaning to those words. So I don't say them lightly. The only thing I can think of is that you fired Hugo Cruz for a regular season mishap earlier this year, which you hadn't fired anybody during the season, what, in 40 years before that? So now you're in a big moment here. And what Gregory says is right. But if I'm going to put a guy's job on the line for it, that's to me the only logical answer that's there. That this affects your job for the long term. I'm not talking all the I'm not talking high school football, I'm not talking college, I'm talking the NFL. You get the average salary is $200,000 $200, a year that's average, some make more obviously, some make less. But it's obviously something that's sizable there. So if you make that much on it, I know you do it for the passion. I know you do it for because of the love of the game and everything like that. But I also have to look at what's re- reasonable and what's equitable and what holds us to a higher standard. And I think there needs to be an understanding that if you cannot perform this job, just like a player, a player loves football, a player loves his craft. If a player can't perform his job, he's out of there. If a referee can't perform it, I'm sorry, I have to look for another referee. 855-2124-CBS. It's almost like the same thing as a kicker. It's a zero-sum game. Dave in Indiana, you're next up on CBS Sports Radio. Yeah. Um, first of all, thanks for taking my call. Um, you know, uh, I've, I've looked at many games in my life over the last 40 years that I've been watching sports, and I've seen a lot of bad calls that determine games and determine championships. And I just think that when you when you watch the game, uh, if it's perpetrated against you, you you know you sit up there and complain. But if you're a beneficiary of it, you don't say anything. So I tell the Saints fans to suck it up because if it was against the Rams, they wouldn't even have cared. You know, they just would have took it in. Well, you see that the, that's not true, eh? The, you heard Nikel Roby Coleman right after going. I heard the crowd. I thought it was going to be bad news, and they didn't call it. He said, "Of course, it was pass interference." He said it himself. Those were his words. He said well, it, Dave. I mean, that's true. I mean, I mean, I give you that, but I'm just saying, you know, they wouldn't be making as much of a deal out of it if it had been uh, not perpetrated against the Rams. They wouldn't. They would just be telling the Rams fans, "Hey, y'all, suck it up," you know. And I would say, and I would still say that's wrong. You only get so many chances to do it. I, you know, we, we do this with fans. A team is different. Like when Tom said it earlier, Dave, and thank you for the call. When Tom said it earlier about Sean McVay. Tom, whether I like it or not, has a point that Sean McVay should stand up there and maybe be a little different. But he's arguing for his players. He Payton felt we're talking about. Sorry. Yeah. Right. So what, who did I say? McVay. Oh, say I'm sorry. Sean Payton should have stood there. Sorry, Freudian slip. Sean Payton should have stood there and should have been a little bit harder on himself, or should have taken a little bit better than what he did, where he basically put people into a frenzy because of the call. 
He feels his team was robbed, though. He feels he needs to defend his team. You could see that point of it. But I think all in all, Tom's right. For the fans, though, the fans have the right to react any way they want that isn't violent. That's what a fan's allowed to do. I brought up Bottlegate earlier. You go anywhere in Northeast Ohio, I mean anywhere. If you're if you're driving through here and you get stopped in a snowstorm and you end up in one of the watering holes around Northeast Ohio, you're going to find a sober person who tells you that absolutely they believe that the NFL, since the Bottlegate incident, which, yes, was not a good look, obviously, and was done poorly, would certainly still cost them games and cost them calls years later. They're human. They believe that. And referees, and I got to say a referee's human, hey, if it's a long-standing type of thing, I can't necessarily count that out. But they'll tell you that. So for a fan, as long as you don't react violently, you have the right to react that way. Vulgar, you have the right to react that. Not vulgar, but you have the right to react the way they've been reacting. Because you you have no power over the game. Hell, you have the one last home field advantage, which is noise, and you couldn't even get over that. So, yeah, you have the right to be very upset about the outcome of that football game. And for generations to come, especially if Drew Brees never gets back there. 855-2124-CBS. We wanted to get to five burning questions. Too many people in on it. We'll get back to this when we come back. Also, Chad Brown coming up at around 1235, 1248 p.m. Eastern. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. To the crescendo. Oh, man, I'm going to do some Molly on a Saturday. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Let me get the Billy in New Orleans. We got Chad Brown joining us in like 10 minutes. Hello, Billy. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Look, I'm not a crybaby, okay? I'll, I'll, we live and breathe the Saints down here, okay? okay? Here's the point. The NFL messed up from the jump. When you put three officials from, from the California area with a California team, that's one mistake they made right there. Second... Wait a minute. California has something to hold on, hold on. We're talking conspiracies now. The Illuminati's involved no, now, Billy. No, no, no conspiracy. California no, I'm officials. Not, I'm just saying that, but Dan Bell should have done a better job at picking the officials for this game, all right? All right. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying no conspiracy, okay? I mean, I'm from the but Midwest. I bet I can mess up a lot of stuff for Saints fans, but that's okay. Continue, continue, continue. The side judge could have made the call and he refused to because the back judge said no, I got it. You know, you make the right call at the right moment, okay? And everybody's saying, well, the Saints should have done this, should have done that. No. If the call is made, the game is over with. Because you know in your right mind, in anybody's right mind, Sean Payne's not going to throw the ball. He's going to run the ball three times or take a knee three times and then kick the field goal, okay? Mm-hmm. You had a lot of blown calls in that game on both sides of the game. This is supposed to be the best of the best officials, okay? You know? You know, when do you go back and tell your team when the, when the NFL calls Sean Payne when the game was over and say, hey, we blew it, we blew it. The NCAA has gotten it right. They they realize that the officials are human. They're going to make mistakes. When you have a call that outrageous and, and that bad of a call, they stop the game and they look at their call. If, if it wasn't made on appeal, the call is made upstairs. And they change the, they change the call on appeal. Right or wrong? Bill, well, yeah, and some of those, Billy, but again, I, we're talking about pass interference. I, I still have to stick to the line of it where it was a horrible call. It was a horrible, 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 horrible call. But I can't just change everything because of pass interference. I don't. I oh, really I'm don't want to change, change it all because of P.I. Okay. No, well, I, nothing to it. 
they missed the helmet to helmet uh, on the same call. You had two penalties. You had two major. They did just find him for that. You're right, and they did just find him for that. They find him twenty six grand. Okay. Huh. Here's nothing. Let me show you this. Michael Thomas got fined thirty thousand dollars for his little antics with the phone. With the phone. With the phone trick in in again. And I thought that was one of the stupidest things he ever done. Okay. I thought it was. I didn't agree with that. No, I was entertained. You only find the uh, the guy. $26,000, $26,000, you know, and, you know, and it's no, I'm not saying it's conspiracy, okay? Don't, I'm not going that way. But the NFL needs to get the act right and, and, and correct, you know, and they, they should, you know, like, you know. Well, okay, Billy, 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 Billy. I got to run. I got to run, Billy. And I thank you very much for the call. That that They do that because of the sliding scale. Or it's not even a sliding scale. It's just a scale. You have the hel- helmet to helmet. You get fined this. You have something like that. You get fined this. What happened with Michael Thomas? I don't like the Michael Thomas fine because basically I, I thought it was fun. I think it's kitschy. I'm entertained by it. I thought it was great. Which one do I take next? Boy, there's a couple of good ones here. I don't know which one I want. Mm, let me get to Paul in Michigan. He seems to have a hot burning take. Here we go, Paul. Let her ride. Okay, what I want to say is, first of all, that last caller, when they assign officials, they don't assign particular officials like one back judge. They go in as crews, so that crew was assigned that game. Yeah, okay, well, it's not two, It's not like, yeah, but, you know, some people, they're looking for those okay. type of things, Paul, and it's not like right. delegates or anything over here. It's They don't look where right, they're right, from. Right. Yeah, go ahead. Right. Well, right, no, that, that has nothing to do with it. But the next point I want to make is not related to the game, but, my, my son had a basketball game, okay, like a week before that. And after the game, all the kids, most of the kids were criticizing the referees. And you know what? It sets a bad example. I mean, I know people make mistakes and it was a bad call, but they have to let it rest because it's just going to happen. And New Orleans had many opportunities to win that football game after that happened. So you can't blame it. And America better be very careful with how they react to this because what's going to happen is is they're going to start reviewing everything. And that's what we don't want as football fans. You let it rest. It was a bad call. It was unfortunate. But I'm a Detroit Lions fan. We played the Dallas Cowboys in 2014, and there was an interference that was called that got reversed. And we got mad at that for five minutes, and it was the end of it. Well, most of the time, this is a historic one, though, Paul. Yeah, Paul, I I, I got to tell you, though, if, if you were in the – and thank you for the call, and I, I get it, but this was an historic no call. And I think fans can carry that burden. I usually do say if, you, if you're the beneficiary of a call, accept it and enjoy it and, and move on because you know you're going to get hoodwinked at some point. You know it's going to cost you at another point. The other part of it, you're a good father. Tom, can I tell this story real quick? Sure, please. He jogged my memory. Paul jogged my memory um, – because he didn't want to blame the officials. His son didn't want to blame the officials, which is is the right thing to do. Uh, one of the final baseball games I ever pitched in, this was in high school. Are you ready? I went, what, a third of an inning and gave up five runs and walked like four. And the reasoning to me, and I still say it to this day, the guy had a tight strike zone. But as I, my dad came out and got me out of there because he knew I was upset. And he was, like, giving me the eyes to shut up, Tom. Oh, I know all about that. As, as I was walking back to the dugout, I go, yeah, you need to get your eyes checked. I know you, your eyes are perfectly fine when you're over there at the porcelain dollhouse, you pervert. Whoa. I was 16. Whoa. <laughs> wow. I was 16 years old. Epic, man. Wow. I thought I was going to get thrown out. The guy did not throw me out. He heard me because I yelled it for everybody to hear. 
The guy used to I used to see the guy's car at the strip club in North Canton. Like every time you drove by, drove by, you drove by. Every time you drove by, and I was a little bit upset. So I knew, and so I called him a pervert. I, I which, by the way, plenty of guys go. Some are perverts, and I've been to one. But you know, I knew it was going to get under his skin. Would that have gotten under your skin, Tom? How do you not get run for that? <laughs> I mean, that is incredible. I was shocked. I know. I was like, "Oh, I got to go get my stuff. I'm getting thrown out of this baseball game," and he did not throw me out. You technically weren't directly arguing balls and strikes. You were just saying you, you didn't believe that his eyes weren't like working because well, you know my they were. Yes, my father was calling someone in from right field to take over on the mound. I was out of the game. I was not going to finish in that game. My dad was that mad at me. And as I'm walking off the field, hey, I know your eyes are perfectly fine because you're over there at the porcelain dollhouse every night, you pervert. It's perfect. That was a Didn't high school game? Or well, like that was summer league. Summer, summer league. league. Okay, yeah. all, right, yeah. all right. Oh, I got, I got cut from the high school baseball team. I was uh, not that good. Yeah, let's be serious about this time. But I was high school aged. 855-212-4CBS. Coming up next, Chad Brown, not a pervert. We will talk to him about the senior bowl. This is the Ken Carmen Show. 855-212-4CBS. It's amazing. I haven't had to mention the Pro Bowl. I haven't had to do any of it. It's been all fun. Been talking about bad calls. Been talking about people having to get over those calls. It's it's just been it's just been a good time. But it's still better than Pro Bowl talk. But we will get to the Pro Bowl because Tom, I think Tom is, I don't want to call the guy a fake, but I think Tom makes too big of a deal about him. And we'll get to that coming up later in the show. 855-2124-CBS. Right now we go to the hotline. We welcome in from Compass Media, 104.3, the fan in Denver as well. He played at the University of Colorado right there in Boulder. He was a pro football player and a very good one and a very good linebacker and a three-time pro bowler and a two-time all-pro. We welcome in Chad Brown on the show. Chad, thanks for joining us. No problem. Happy to be on with you. You were down at the Senior Bowl, friend. What'd you see? Uh, well, the Senior Bowl is, I think, uh, at least from our coaches and front office people, it's perhaps the, the best opportunity of the year to everybody to catch up and, and hang out uh, from, a, from that perspective. And then from a player perspective, uh, I saw a quarterback class that doesn't match what we had last year. And I saw a group of defensive linemen, which I think are going to be very impactful in the NFL. Oh, well, I'm gl- I'm glad you talked there right there about the uh, quarterbacks. I'll start with that for a moment. If you were, if you are right now, depending on how you feel about these guys, but a Ravens fan, a Cardinals fan, a Bills fan, a Browns fan, a Jets fan, are you thanking God that you don't have to draft one of these guys in the first round? Is that what you're saying right now, Chad? Absolutely, absolutely. Having a chance to be there at the Senior Bowl last year and watch Josh Allen and watch Baker Mayfield go at it. Uh, I did not see that same level of leadership that Baker Mayfield showed, the same level of poise and enthusiasm, nor nothing close to the same level of accuracy that I saw from Baker Mayfield than I saw from Drew Locke this year, who's you know pretty much the consensus number one quarterback on the board this year. So a big step down from Baker Mayfield last year to Drew Locke this year. Chad Brown joining us on the show. So if you were maybe – I will we'll throw that out there if you're Denver – Interesting trades are available. Would you make a big trade for maybe a veteran? Would you make a make a move for Nick Foles, or would you stick with Case Keenum, or would you try to develop one of these guys coming up? Well, Denver's got to deal with Case Keenum, the issue there first. If they trade him, I think that 
dead money on a cap is about three million bucks. If they release them, it's about ten million dollars. Mm. So if you're going to go after Nick Foles, uh, you're going to have to pay Nick Foles pretty good money. You're going to have to give up some draft capital to get him. Plus, you are you going to then keep Case Keenum? Or are you going to have thirty-five million dollars, forty million dollars allotted to your quarterback room with between Case Keenum and Nick Foles? Those kind of things I start to get you know, a little tricky with the salary cap. So I'm expecting Denver to try to go young, try to go cheaper, and hopefully think that maybe Drew Locke will be the guy for them and can be their quarterback of the future. Let's not forget it was just a couple of days ago where John Elway said that Case Keenum is a short-term fix. So he clearly put a, a temporary stamp on Case Keenum as far as his tenure as the quarterback for the Denver Broncos. What is the temperature out there with Broncos fans while we're on the subject about the job that John Elway's done, especially recently because the quarterback issue isn't fixed, but you do have some good pieces there on defense and even across the offensive line here and there? Uh, the temperature here is a little bit of uh, distrust in, in John Elway, I, I say. Now, the last draft class definitely performed well. Bradley Chubb, Cortland Sutton, even an undrafted rookie like Philip Lindsay from my Colorado Buffaloes, those guys played well and are seemingly cornerstones, cornerstones for the future of the Denver Broncos. But the previous four or five draft class, the number of quarterbacks taken and tried and attempted to be the new quarterback face here of the Denver Broncos post Peyton Manning, the assumption that Gary Kubiak was going to be the offensive coordinator who you named him OC kind of before you brought in the head coach and then you had the ugly part in other ways with Gary Kubiak, it's been a rough ride lately for John Elway, and the fans are in a very much, uh, we need to see a very good draft class again to be back on his side. I can dig it. Chad Brown joining us, 104.3 The Fan in Denver, Compass Media Networks, former All-Pro, former Pro Bowler joining us on the show. You mentioned that defensive line class that you're seeing there, getting ready for this draft and then uh, down at the Senior Bowl. How deep is it? Well, a guy who wasn't at the Senior Bowl, but Quentin Williams, the stud defensive tackle from Alabama. I mean, he's a real legit player. I had a chance to be at uh, the last two national championship games, see his progression from kind of a, a substitutional rotational guy to now just an absolute stud in there. A uh, guy from Alabama who was at the Senior Bowl, Isaiah Bugs, another very good defensive tackle. And there's a couple of smaller school guys who were at the Senior Bowl, uh, more so edge rushers, who I think will also have an impact uh, in the NFL and be drafted pretty high in this next coming draft chad brown joining us on the show okay so so we've been talking about it all day and i just got to get your thought on it i'm sure you're probably tired of talking about it but what the hell saints call what happened last week there we've had some people starting to call and so you know saints fans should get over it i think there's a difference between the teams and the fan bases fan bases can as long as it's not violent or relatively terribly vulgar they can react the way they want and it's pretty negative how do you feel about the call? How do you feel about the fallout about the call last week, or non-call, I should say? Well, I think the call was, you know, clearly a blown call. Uh, there could have been a flag thrown for a couple of different penalties. <laughs> when an eight-year-old football fan watching at home on his couch can point out what is wrong with the call and why that should have been flagged for a couple of different violations, I think the NFL has a responsibility to change that process. And the change I would like to see is my former coach, Bill Belichick's suggestion that every play be reviewable. It's so frustrating for football fans when something happens on the football field and we see the officials kind of on the sideline talking to the coach, going over 
what parts of that call or missed call are actually reviewable? It's ridiculous. I say give coaches, every coach, two challenge flags per half for any play they want to challenge. And that would open up pass interference and things like that that have been called judgment calls in the past. Let's just review those. Let's make those reviewable and get this process going to, so it's not so confusing. It's clear for easy and for anyone to understand. And every play, no matter whether it's a judgment call or not, can be reviewed if the coach chooses to throw his flag. Well, Chad, I, that is what a lot of people think. And it scares me, though, because you mentioned Belichick. And he's a scary person because I think a guy like him who's always 10 steps ahead of everybody, even though he's older than everybody, basically, is that if we're talking about pass interference – Pass interference, holding, things like that, that that can almost happen on every play. I think you can almost game the system if you were Bill Belichick or one of the other smarter coaches in the NFL. Uh, you know, by limiting it just to two challenge flags per half, I don't, I don't, it'd be very difficult to, you know, tilt the scale so much that your creative use of challenge flags is suddenly uh, tilting the game in your favor, at least as I see it. Would there be a certain amount of uh, gamesmanship and, and, and coaching savvy that goes into the use of those flags? Of course it would be, uh, just like every other decision on a football field. Uh, but I think that will eliminate the obvious injustice that was done to the Saints. Now, did the Saints have other opportunities to win that game? Yes, they did. Should the Saints fans get over this sooner than later? Yes, they should. One call, one play typically does not determine a football game. And I can point to other plays during that game, either before or after that non-call, that could have gotten the Saints a victory. Those plays didn't happen, so it's very easy for the Saints fans to point the finger at that non-call and not point the finger at their own issues and mistakes that happened either before or after that missed call. You played for four total teams. You played for the Patriots in two separate times. How different are the Patriots compared to the other three teams you played for? Ah, uh, wow. Obviously, the Pittsburgh Steelers are a, an amazing franchise. Uh, or no, the Steelers, family. Seahawks, Patriots, so three, right? Three teams. Three teams, yes. Okay, the sorry. Steelers so the other two teams, how different were they? I beg your pardon. Go ahead, Chad. Uh, the Steelers are an amazing franchise. I was there with Bill Cowher, definitely a very, very good head coach. Uh, but Bill and the Steelers' philosophy has kind of always been, we're going to be more aggressive. We're going to overwhelm you with how hard we're going to play football. At some point, you're going to want to turn it down because we just play so hard, so tough, so physical. And then when I got to the Seattle Seahawks, it was Dennis Erickson for the first two years. Then the last six years of me being a Seahawk was Mike Holmgren. And we've all seen Mike Holmgren on the sideline with his glasses down at the tip of his nose, very professorial kind of thing. He's got his play sheet. He's calling the very similar offense to what Bill Walsh ran, that West Coast offense. He's a Bill Walsh disciple. Uh, It's more so about accuracy to the play design there. Then I go to New England, and, and my 13th year in the NFL, and that my first year in New England, I learned more about football than I did in my previous 12 years. I learned more about the nuances that win football games than I did in my previous 12 years. And to kind of sum it all up in a nice little tidy package, Bill Belichick wants you to make the right play. For all 11 guys on the field for the Patriots on any particular play, he and his staff are going to work incredibly hard to get each and every player to understand what is the right play to make in that particular situation. 
Bill Cowher wants you to go, to make, go out and make the aggressive play, the physical play, the amazing athletic play. Mike Holmgren wants you to be you know, slavish to the playbook, regardless of situation and things like that. Patriots are always about the right play to make because Bill's been in, in the NFL as long as he has and been around football as long as he has. He understands in each given situation what is the right play for every player to make. So that's why you see a guy like, say, going back to Teddy Bruschi, my teammate with the New England Patriots. Teddy was not a, an amazing athletic linebacker, but because he was taught by Bill Belichick what the right play was in each situation – what the offense was trying to do, what is Peyton Manning's go-to throw in this situation. Teddy Bruschi makes amazing plays in the playoffs, these biggest moments in Patriot history, not because he was athletic, but because he was taught what was the right play to make. 30 seconds, who wins next week? Wow. When you got a coach as young as Sean McVay going against a coach as experienced as Bill Belichick, when you got a quarterback as inexperienced as Jared Goff going against Tom Brady, who will be playing, I believe, in his 41st or 40th playoff game. Mm-hmm. Regardless of whether I was a former Patriot or not, I lean so heavily on experience in big game moments. There's no, is no bigger game than the Super Bowl. I've got to go with the Patriots in this one. Chad, we thank you very much for the time. All the best, my friend. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you, Chad Brown, joining us. 104.3 The Fan in Denver, Compass Media Network, former All-Pro NFLer. Find him on Twitter at ChadBrown94, former Colorado Buffalo, and, of course, I'm hoping they're doing well because Mel Tucker's taking over, and he's a Clevelander, and I want Clevelanders to do well. 855-2124-CBS. we got people who still want to talk about the Saints. We'll get to them. Also, i got to get it off my chest. They call it purity. I call it hypocrisy. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.